Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Great, good. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for the incredible presence of your spirit in this meeting already today. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God who provides beyond our wildest imaginations. And God, even though we see our challenges, Lord, you see our opportunities. And God, you are constantly working in our life, Lord, to to, to bring us to the place of relationship with you that's so strong that, God, nothing can break it. So this morning, Lord, may may this preach inspire me and inspire others in the service, Lord, to to come closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So strength and courage, penultimate message this morning here on the 12th of July. And um, the theme for this morning is facing spiritual battles. This is a humongous topic. This is a huge topic. And those who are, have done studies on this in the past will know it covers all manner of different areas. And this morning we can't cover all those areas. We're just going to cover a framework of conversation because um, strength and courage is vital uh, in life. It's not just strength and courage, but those two factors, if we haven't got strength, if we haven't got courage, we close down our immediate opportunities in life for ourselves, no matter what it is, whether it's um, relationships, whether it's work, whether it's careers, whether it's any practical area. If you haven't got strength and courage, you will shut your world down. And in a sense, we do the same thing in in the spiritual dimension. We can. You know, our bodies are constantly warring against our spirit. They are constantly, they're doing it. That's why we fast. We don't fast because we've got nothing better to do in the church. We fast because of the discipline that we engage in. That's it. That's one of our major values in the church, spiritual disciplines. And we fast so that we get our flesh under control and we get our spirit liberated. Because if we don't get our spirits liberated, you will not have strength and courage in the right way. You'll find all manner of other solutions to solve problems. And believe me, there's a million different solutions you know, I've just been looking for a car. Our, our car, Liz's car, should I say, that I look after. <laughs> Liz's car um, had its service on Thursday, and and uh, I was in a staff meeting with the guys. We were just tr- I got the dreaded phone call. The MOT guy said, "Oh, good news, it's passed. Bad news, there's a lot of bills. Uh, if you don't do the work now, it's going to be really expensive." Fortunately, it was not too expensive for the service, which is a st- standard service. And of course, my mind's thinking, working out the numbers, what do we do now? Do we just keep that thing? Keep putting finances into some old, older vehicle? Or do we look to part exchange or what? Don't like those kind of decisions. I'd rather just have a, a nice running car. But anyway, in the end, we, we made a decision and, and we decided to trade up and go with a new car. Timing was brilliant for it. But, but it presents challenges, opportunities, solutions. You've got to have strength and courage in every area of life, including our spiritual area. But because we're in a spiritual battle, whether you like it or not, you, can, you might say, well, I'm not Pentecostal. I'm traditional. Let me tell you, it doesn't make any difference. This battle is going on whether you like it or not. You are in a battle whether you like it or not. What you've got to do is wake up and smell the coffee and realise that if you do nothing, you are making a decision about what you do with your life. You've got to have strength and courage in this battle. Um, the battle belongs to the Lord, but believe it or not, you are his soldiers. Right? You are. You weren't called in to be, you know, check out the fluffy pillows. You weren't called into the kingdom to, to find the duvet with the most 
tog factor or the softest, I don't know, whatever. You know, you weren't, that's not why you were called. You weren't called into a fluffy cloud world. You were brought into God's kingdom because he sees in you a son, a daughter, a child. Just like Dave said, we are clothed and wrapped with Jesus Christ. He gives us himself to be more than conquerors. He gives us himself. He knows you can't do it on your own. He knows you can't. He knows you, he knows you will fail on your own. But he will give you everything you need. But we've got to understand that we still have to exercise choice. And those choices are strength and courage choices. They're not all the choices, but they are two very important ones, which is why we've been looking at the series. Now, I did a little bit of online checking things out. And there was some research done in March this year about British couples who fight regularly. And one of the big things they fight about is home clutter. Anyone identify with home clutter? (laughs) I do. (laughs) I'm saying nothing. (laughs) Um, you know, they reckon, I don't know where they get this information from. I reckon there's some bean counter somewhere working out some weird statistic. But anyway, they reckon that 32 times a year, couples will, will fight in Britain about home clutter. Uh, it's worse in London, sorry. I guess there's less space in London. <laughs> and in fact, it's weekly, so it's 52 times a year at least. So this, sometime this week, you may well find yourself having a fight about home clutter. I I am not going to prophesy it, but I have a feeling it could happen. But you know what? It says in the research that women are ruthless when it comes to living space. They are ruthless. I'm just telling you what it says in the research. Um, He said, the answer is, they figured it out, get rid of things secretly. (laughs) Get rid of things secretly. Now, I'm on that one. I, I like that idea. Get rid. And you know, they've even worked out how much the women throw away of what we own, guys. It's £241.50 worth of stuff a year gets chucked away by, by your other half because of the clutter. Um, who can identify with that? I wonder where... St- I, you know, I was looking for some, some stuff to prune the bushes recently and it's all gone. I'm thinking. <laughs> anyway, there we go. So, they, um, so apparently the stuff that gets thrown away includes clothing, DVDs, books, IT gadgets... And, and furniture. <laughs> so, someone said they threw a sofa away. I don't know how you could do that subtly. But anyway, Aileen's nodding at me. She's, she has thrown away a sofa. I knew it was true. Anyway, sorry, Neil. <laughs> anyway, so as Christians, we're in a spiritual battle of some sort every day. I know, I know it's a bit fun there, but, but we are in a spiritual battle and we're not in battles with our wives or husbands or friends we're not we we just do life (laughs) in different ways but um but where do these conflicts come from where the spiritual battles come from what's at the root of spiritual battles now this is again a massive massive topic and we can't cover the whole thing this morning but in principle we have to consider the source of these spiritual conflicts so let's pop up a first verse Uh, john 8 44 just the second part so if we go Right, when he lies, this is the devil, his third line down, when he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When he lies, in fact, he, Satan, has always hated the truth, it says. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So much of what we get into battles over are directly related related to lies. Now, I know we have battles around health areas and and other things which 
which are also very relevant, but in the heart of a lot of what we're dealing with, even how to handle things, lies are the biggest challenge. It's lies. He is the master of lies. And every demonic force in this world, and they're in this world, around this world, is perpetuating the exact same behavior of their father, the father of lies. And so what we are dealing with when we come into spiritual battles is that there is a lying, scheming thing going on around us. And what you are having to wade through is whether things are true or whether it's a lie. And what you get presented with in your workplaces, your college, even there I say in church at times, the games that get played, the demonic wants to create distrust, disunity through lies. And he wants to take misinformation and half information and turn it into something that will damage you and damage relationship. That's all it takes. All it takes is the devil or a demonic thing or even a careless word from you or me or somebody else and boy, we've got a fire on our hands. Why? Because the father of lies will exploit it that's what he'll do and he'll bring this to bear in all sorts of different ways in our old nature our old nature is trying to constantly we know this from Romans is constantly battling against our spiritual nature that old fleshly nature is, is battling so we battle with material things you'll have lies kicking around your head about material things every day of the week I'm telling you you will constantly be facing truth battles about material things about your time how many people had a battle getting to the prayer meetings this week I did for two days I was flat on my back. You could say, well, it was just to strain your back. Well, that's interesting timing. It just happened on Tuesday morning, first thing. Nothing significant happened to me that I'm aware of. But then within half an hour, 45 minutes before coming to the office, I was absolutely stiff as a board. I could hardly stand up. And after a day of being in the office with no food, I was feeling hungry and couldn't hardly get out of my seat and managed to waddle home. Now that's not really a big deal, but it did put me off for two, two days. Now there's a health thing there, but was the dem- devil involved in that? I don't know, I'm not going to give him credit for it, but still it got in the way. And and you know what? But this is the thing. This is where the lies come in. Because I was fasting this week, like many of you were, and there's no pressure if you felt that you could only go so many days or circumstances kept you down to just a few days. That's not a problem. Just develop it, strengthen it, go further next time. So so the first thought that comes into my head is, oh, you need ibuprofen. And of course, you can't take ibuprofen without food because otherwise you get ulcers. And I'm thinking, so I've got this thing off in my head by, by Wednesday morning. Oh, you need to be at the prayer meeting. Take some ibuprofen. Well, that's not true. I don't need to take ibuprofen to get to the prayer meeting. There are other solutions. And so I'm starting to think of all sorts of things. And, you know, you may say, oh, it's all just, just thought. It's not just thought. We're in a battle that is a spiritual battle. And we are in a kingdom that Jesus has created. And it's not fanaticism. It's real. It's real. At its extreme, people get killed. But you know, people get killed all day long because of misunderstandings and mistruth and the stuff that's not real. And it gets made up and stuff. So there's battles about material things, your time, and your values. You know, you might let yourself down. You might say something. You might crack a joke. It's the old nature coming through. You may even remember an old word that you'd never said for a few years because you, you almost hit a car, just like Prince did on Wednesday, wasn't it? I mean, again, I mean, how do these things happen? I, I, it, it's just, um, you know, not that you said anything wrong on Wednesday, Prince. I'm not suggesting for a second that you came out with, with something that had bleep written all over it. But, you know, in a moment of spiritual, you know, <laughs> oblivion, there was a crash. But anyway, praise God, God provided, didn't he, Prince? Amazing answer to prayer. God provided everything to sort that out and was able to be here. So... Um, but you know what? It's not just our old nature, it's others. Others bring information to you. 
you'll sit in this service and listen to me and start arguing with me in your head. You may not do, but you might do. And you may sit there and go, you know what, he's wrong. <laughs> and then you'll start cooking up a whole load of ulterior scenarios. Now you could do that. Now I don't think you will, because I know many of you care enough about what we're doing in the church to know that we're working together, we are moving together. And if something happens that's not quite the right thing, we work on it together and we move forward. But the demonic will use other people. He will use your health. I remember I was in China with Neil and Aileen a few years ago. Do you remember that time I got that? I just got completely, don't know where it came from. We were in a restaurant having lunch and within hours I was in bed and ended up in hospital with pains in my groin that I'd never even thought were possible to have. I didn't have a clue where they came from. But it seemed extraordinary and the guys in the underground church were praying and and our friends, you know, I was really, really worried. I was seriously worried. I, f I phoned Britain on my mobile phone, phoned the insurer, because I thought I could just pass out or something here at any time on my hotel bed. And I just, that was definitely, for me, a spiritual battle. There was a battle of something that was taking control of part of my body because of where I was and because of the, the reason I was there. And of course, um, it puts you under a lot of pressure. But I was thinking these guys might have to end up flying me back or something like that. And, Anyway, by God's grace, with prayer from the guys locally and, and just trusting God, within hours, that just seemed to disappear. And it just vaporised. And it was just extraordinary. Just don't know what was behind that. But, uh, the, you know, I don't want to give credit where it's not due, but all we know is prayer brought me through that. That's what I'm going to give credit to. You know, Gary, Gary Rucci, when we started this series on the 19th of April, Gary said, God challenges our perspective. His thoughts are always greater, always wider, always deeper and always bigger. So we've got to have strength and courage to think differently. And when I look at the Bible, I see the King David and his formative years. And King David was in many, many battles. He was in battles against enemies. He was in battles of betrayal with Saul, who went all through. I mean, Saul was completely spiritually oppressed. We know that. Um, he, David was in battles with himself. He battled his own pride. But he was an incredible man. He was humble. He battled with forgiveness at times. He battled with God. And why do we have the incredible psalms we've got? Because David's journey just reveals to us. So much of the psalms are helpful when we're in tough times because, because we can empathise the real nature of humanity. Isn't it amazing that Jesus you know, related to the psalms as scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit? So David, in, despite all his challenges and his battles, he did succeed. Now he also failed in a number of areas, including Bathsheba. And of course we know Psalm 51 is an incredible story of David being confronted and realising that he needs to have a clean heart. He needs to have his heart changed because he was a man after God's heart, but his heart was doing damage to him and had done damage to him. And he convinced himself it was all right to be with Bathsheba. And so he had an affair with another man's wife and then, then had the other man murdered, as you know. And so if the, one of the greatest men in biblical history, the line of Jesus Christ, can mess up that much, then God has got space for us to be restored. You might be in this meeting today feeling like there's no way back. I've really seriously messed up. That is not true. That is also a lie. Because the father of lies will tell you there's no way back. It's not true. The, the father of heaven says you've got every opportunity to live the most extraordinary, exciting, stimulating, thoroughly e explosive life if we get our heads in gear with what God is doing, we've just got to get aligned with what he's doing, which means we've got to be spiritually aware. We've got to know what he is doing. So this morning, I'm going to look at Psalm 144, just a few verses there. It's really three verses, but um, one to four in the New Living. 
David said, this amazing man who battled through many things, faced many spiritual battles. He says in verse 1, he says, um, Praise the Lord, who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. He makes the nations submit to me. In the ESV, it says, he causes... Uh, he subdues the people. It's a slightly different expression. Then verse 3, O Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them, mere mortals that you should think about them? For they are like a breath of air, their days are like a passing shadow. So just three simple but very important things to look at this morning about spiritual, facing spiritual battles. When battles are ahead, God will provide you immediately three things. There are three things he will provide you. you. In the prayer and fasting, I felt overwhelmingly that God was saying, this church is now stepping up. We've gone to two services. We're moving forward. We're starting to talk to people to help develop our site and look at other options. We've got new leadership coming into the church and through the church, and we're growing our own leadership. What's going on? We're going to have spiritual battles. We've got them anyway, whether we like it or not, but we are going to be facing some stuff. And it was a thread that came to me all the way through this week. And so that's why this prayer time, this this last week has been so, so important. I think a week of prayer and fasting begins to set us up to be aware of what we've got to do going forward. And even though we've got summer just a a few weeks away now, well, we're there, aren't we? Kind of, I think. Um, (laughs) We've still got to realise that God is doing something. His He's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So you are part of that process of building. We are all part of it. So what's this first thing? The first thing God provides is a platform. The first thing God provides in any spiritual battle is a platform from which to stand. A platform. Psalm 144 verse 1, just the very beginning, it says, Praise the Lord, or bless the Lord. By the way, you know the word bless, going back to the Greek, means to kneel. It's not just lots of noise. To bless, to praise, goes back to the root word kneeling. It means to kneel, to bless. In other words, it's to come hum- humbly. It's to come, you know, it's coming authentically. It's to come, you know, in this prayer and fasting week, the first night, Monday night, I found myself on my knees. Just got to be, you know, we didn't go into small groups. We just were individually on our knees before God. Why? Because if that's, if that, we're out of whack, if it's all noise and not authentic personal walk, then we are already, we're not on the right platform. So it starts with the right platform. Praise the Lord. David said, praise the Lord, who is my rock. Um, Adam brought some great verses in the earthquake meeting last Sunday night. Really well attended out here. What an amazing meeting. Some tremendous testimonies have come out. I'm hoping maybe one or two in the next service. But, um, you know, a key bit that I picked up from what Adam was sharing with us around Jehoshaphat, wasn't it? Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, 17. It says, take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Now, it's not always you get to stand still and watch. Sometimes you've got to stand and fight, right? In this case, it's stand and watch because God's going to do even bigger things. Now, that might happen to us. We may stand and watch. I had a stand and watch moment this week where I was on a telephone call with the States and and God is providing immense resource into his kingdom right now. I had this conversation with a guy in America, and it's not directly linked to BCC, but in a ministry position, God is about to provide hundreds of thousands of dollars into something that he is about to release. Why is he doing it? Because he says, stand and watch 
what I'm about to do. It's what happened at New Wine a couple of years ago when we stood and watched the overflow of that water pool of finance into the needs that were in, in South Africa. Remember we showed the video at the church. We stand and watch. But there are other times where you have to stand and fight and there are times when you've got to stand and then take steps forward. So you've got to know which one of those things we're on. Do we know where we are? Are we, are we really on tune with God? Are we there? So what did uh, David said? He said, praise the Lord who is my rock. I just want to open that word rock up a second. You know that the root of that word rock talks about a sharp edge, like a, like a solid uh, edge, like on a cliff. And this word cliff comes up in, in the meaning of this word. It's an odd thing. Why does the word cliff? He is my rock. But you know, sometimes we think of rocks as being really nice, smooth things. We just stand there and it's nice and smooth. The trouble with a smooth rock is you can slide off it. I actually think God's rock is very, very, you know, spiky. And you know, some of those rocks are like, they've got crevices in them. And if you don't watch it, you can scratch yourself on it. I, th- I think he is not a passive rock. I think he's a full on rock rock. That's what I think. I think he's a rock with, with edges. And his edgy rockness, that's his new name, his edgy rockness, that edgy rockness, does something very important for us. It gives you something to hold on to. It gives you something to grip onto. You're not balancing in your own strength on some smooth thing that when it rains, you might slip off. It's not like that. You can even stand on that rock and just get your feet right into the position and you are solid as a rock because the edgy rock is looking after your feet. That's what we do. The first thing is platform, God's platform. It's an edgy rock. It's a place to cling. It's a place to get sure footing. The whole point is, you can't climb up a cliff unless you've got somewhere to put your hands and feet. You've got to have two or three points of contact on that thing. Otherwise, you know, you could come down. But God's rock is a rock that is a rocky rock. <laughs> it's a rocky rock. And Paul knew this. The Apostle Paul knew this. It gives us assurance in times of conflict. We know that we can hold on to God. We know that he gives us stability. Even though everything in your head, because the lies are coming at you, you'll never get through this. You can't achieve. You failed. You know what? That's not true. You just turn around and speak straight at that situation. You say, I'm standing on the rocky rock and I am not slipping off this thing. I've got, I can use my hands. I can use my feet. I'm, I'm rooted on this rock. I'm on this rock and nothing is going to blow me off. I've got plenty of ways of standing on this rock. Why? Because God wants us to know that where our position of strength is before we start. That's our position of strength. He is our rock. It says... Um, it says, you know, Paul was, you know, he was an aggressor, Paul, the Apostle Paul. He was Saul. God changed his name to Saul, from Saul to Paul. Why? Because he had to get Paul to see who he really was becoming. And as Christians, we get caught up in our old self and our old self tries to dominate. Our old self tries to take over. But God says, no, 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 you've got a new self. In me, all things are you. When, when you're wrapped in Jesus Christ, you become a new creation. You've got new capacity. You've got new potential. You've got new expectation. You've got new resourcing. You've got everything is new. It's not old. It's, it's new. It's provided so that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's new. And so Paul, Saul became Paul. He went, went from aggressor to apostle. He went from persecutor to pastor. He changed. His personality changed. His, his nature changed. His expectations changed. And why? Because he was going to go through battles. He was no longer just an instrumental nothingness. 
he became a key director of the church that Jesus Christ was building. And what did he talk about battles in Ephesians 6? And we're not doing a whole Ephesians 6 expository this morning. We're just looking at a couple of elements. Ephesians 6.13, it says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armour so that you'll be able to resist. In the ESV, that word resist actually is withstand. What did we say? The rocky rock. To withstand. To withstand. You're able to stand the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. After the battle. It doesn't say anywhere there's no battle. Does anybody see no battle in there? Tell me, put your hand up if you see a no battle statement in this scripture. Anyone been through a battle this year? Anywhere in your life? It's not the last one. It's one of many. You just got to grow through that battle and you can. And those battles, by God's grace, are not for nothing. They're for something. Those ba- God's battles are always for a purpose. They're, always for, they're to strengthen you. They're to grow you. They're to strengthen others. They're to take you to a new place of trust. They're to refine your character. They're to help you discover the gifts that God's got for you. To stop depending on, on material things. To stop depending on your own judgment, which is rubbish half the time. <laughs> it's so that we learn to work together. So that we work in unity. We trust God. It's so that we are able to move forward with confidence. After the battle, you're standing firm. Has the battle destroyed you? If you feel like it is, we've got to just say, you know what, I'm not believing that lie. That battle is not going to destroy me. That battle is going to refine me. That battle is going to raise me up because I'm still here. I'm not gone. I'm not lost. I'm standing strong. God has provided me with a strong place to stand. He's given that to me. That's my starting position. It's my platform. It's where God starts to really show His presence in my life. The platform. Now, you may have taken yourself off it in your head, but you need to get yourself back on that platform. Even after this meeting, even at the end when we worship, hopefully there'll be a few minutes, that we're able to get ourselves on that platform. God, I'm going to root my feet on that platform. And what did Jesus do? He trusted in his Father. He rooted himself in knowing what the plan was. And why? Because even though there was a great cost, and every battle we go through, no matter what it is, there's a great cost, but there's a huge reward. There's no... There's no Loss of reward. There is a battle, but there is a reward attached to these battles. You might be going through battles in your families, in your workplace, in relationships. You've just got to stay solid with God. You've got to just get your feet in a solid position and go, you know what? I will not be moved. God has given me a solid platform in which to root my feet. And I will stand firm on Him because I'm trusting Him. That's called faith. That's called faith and God's given us that ability and the eternal reward is amazing. And what did Jesus achieve? Because he did exactly that. He was killed, but his eternal reward is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Imagine where he would have been if he hadn't won the battle. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. His eternal reward is our eternal reward. We have no eternal reward because of what we've done. Not because of what I've done, not because of what you've done, not because you're some nice person. <laughs> it's because of what Jesus has done. He has given us His eternal reward. We have His eternal reward. We are living in His eternal reward. But the old nature takes us back to, oh, can I get through tomorrow? Can I get through Tuesday? It's all too much. I know it's very real and I'm not, I'm not speaking down about the realities of the pressures because battle and conflict is real. It's real. But we have the ability to root our feet strongly and say, no, I'm going to press forward because God is giving me a stable platform. God is doing it. 
In Colossians 1, Dave, amazing. I know we talked about this yesterday afternoon briefly, but I didn't register fully the verse you were talking about. But I felt in this preach prep that I should put Colossians 1, 13 and 14, which is brilliant. I love Colossians. In the New Living, it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That's it. There is a transaction happened here. You know, those who deal with transactions, there is a change. You are not the same as you were before. You are on the rock, which is Jesus Christ, on God's rock, his gnarly rock, the rock that's jagged, the rock that gives you something to hold on to. Incidentally, the rock that could cut you, right? But the rock is there. The rock is there. For he has rescued us and he's placed your feet on that rock. He's placed your feet. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour, you are not in his kingdom. You are not. You are outside. There are only two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. You can choose by submitting your life to Christ, putting your trust and your faith in him, recognising that Jesus Christ died to pay the price of your sins and by just confessing your faith in him this morning, you step into his kingdom. You step into his kingdom. You don't understand fully what that means, but spiritually, the battle has just been won for your life. For your eternity, the battle's been won, and you are now in his kingdom. You're in his kingdom. We are living in God's kingdom, but half the time we look at with our own eyes and we see another kingdom, and it just swamps us. And we think, oh, is he telling the truth? <laughs> is it right? Is that for real? Your doubts will start rising up, and you'll go, you know what? You've just got to get a grip of your mind and put your trust in what the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart and saying, believe in me with all your heart, your mind, your soul and your strength and you'll move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and then your eternal promises are set with Jesus Christ and he's wrapping himself around you. God doesn't always send you into a battle to win it, by the way. He may send you in it to end it. He may send you in it to end it. Now I believe God's battles are always victorious but there are battles, humanly speaking, that need to be ended. And what did Jesus say? It is finished. Now, I didn't realise, I was only looking at this last night, that this is what I was going to, to preach on this morning. But in the prayer meeting, do you remember the, the word on Friday evening? Great, great prayer meeting on Friday evening. The Holy Spirit dropped into my heart the words, three words, it is finished. And the Holy Spirit was speaking into people in that meeting and therefore others in the life of our church because we're not separate. We are one body. It is finished. Something is in our lives has finished as of Friday night. And so the battles that you go through, God draws a line and says, enough is enough. Watch the Lord change things. It is now finished. And when God says it is finished, something will finish. I'd like to know what is finished in your life and what that new start is going to be. I believe God's going to do that in our church. I believe he's doing it right now. I believe the prayer and fasting is part of it. I believe Friday night God said it is finished. Whatever that it is, I suggest you go home and you look at your life. You write that down and say, what is just finished in my life? What has God ruled a line under and said no more? It could be anything. It could be, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, if the Holy Spirit has spoken that into your life or my life and our church's life, then it's real. God has drawn a line under something. It is finished. Second key point, I may run out of time. The first one is our platform. God creates our platform. The second one is God prepares. It's preparation. He trains us. God actively trains us. It's in this psalm. 
Psalm verse 1, part B. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. I, found, I was intrigued by this earlier on this week when I was reading it. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. David experienced this. And he was a guy who was anointed by the Holy Spirit, you know. He definitely was. We know that. He was anointed. He moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in every situation, but he understood God's Spirit in his life. He was gifted by the Holy Spirit, which is why, in a sense, he could write so much of the scriptures that we read. God was working very much in David's life. But why do you say that he trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle? Because God does that. Training is important as believers. You didn't just arrive and now you just become a blob. You are being trained. God is training you. And he's doing it personally. The word Emmanuel means God with us. God is training us himself. It's, you know, our training is as important as the conflict. In fact, the training is possibly more important than the conflict. Because when you are trained, you react by default the way you should react in a time of conflict. God trains us. If we are waiting for the conflict to happen, then think, well, when that happens, if anything goes wrong, I'll pray about it. Big mistake. Big mistake. You don't wait till you're in the mess to start asking God to bail you out. Because then you don't know what's going on. God is wanting us to be prepared. So if we're going to hit the season where there might be a lot of battles kicking off, God wants us to be trained. He wants to train us. That's why we meet for prayer and fasting. You know, it's easy to not meet. It's easy to find other reasons. And there are all sorts of legitimate reasons, but he wants us to be trained. Why hands? Hands, to me, speak of power. They speak of direction. They speak of the things we hold. God trains our hands for battle. He trains our hands for war. And the war is multiple battles. So our hands are having, having to handle multiple battles to win the war. You know, when the war, Second World War started, there was a day, we remember it started, the war started, there were battles all the way through the Second World War. All over the world, there were battles. And there was a day when we recognised that the battles finished and the war was over. And so there are two things going on here. There's wars and battles. God trains my hands. What is in your hands? What are you gripping too tightly onto? What are you holding onto that you've got to let go of? There are things in your hands... What can you not pick up because your hands are holding something that you are, you're holding that you should be putting down? I just throw that out. What are you holding? What do you need to release that's in your hands? Your hands have got a purpose. God wants to put into your hands things that will influence your future. If your hands are holding the wrong stuff, what's he going to put into your hands? That's a metaphor, but what's he going to put into you? And what also, the converse, what are you holding too loosely? What is too loosely held in your life? Where are you not holding tight enough to things that God has given you. God may be giving you things that you need to hold on to properly, securely, firmly. I had a great conversation with Pete McTiernan yesterday and he told me about when he was a security guy working as a chauffeur and he was effectively a, a private bodyguard. You may not know that, but Pete knows how to look after himself. He gripped my arm. Remember Dave this day? He gripped my arm and he said in a moment when there could be high conflict, he said to try and keep that thing under control to stop it exploding. You just take a firm grip of someone's wrist and squeeze steadily. And my, my, my blood, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, it's like we had a tourniquet on my arm. It's all the blood vessels are coming up. He said, and you never lose eye contact. Why? Because you are holding a strong position. Yeah. And what does God say? I'll train your hands for war. 
What are you holding on to? You can't hold on to the things God wants to give you because you're holding the wrong stuff. And maybe you're not holding tightly enough and controlling the things that need control in your world. Maybe there are things that are coming at you, there are accusations, there are things that are coming, that you've got to get under control. You've got to deal with that and God's given you hands to do that with. And you need to look at it head on, you need to get a good grip of that thing and deal with it and then walk away from it. That's what you've got to do. The bit I love is, is um, you know, it's not just power, it's not just direction, it's balance. You know your hands? What happens if you're going to fall over your... It's your hands, isn't it? Your hands go to the place of stability. Your hands help define where your stability is going to be. So when God trains you, he's going to show you. In fact, he might need to push you off balance to find your place of stability. To show you, you're not actually standing on his rock. You're standing somewhere else. Where are you standing? And, um, you know, it's a collection of battles, as I said. But why did he mention fingers? He gives my fingers skill for battle. Well, what do fingers speak of? Fingers speak of detail, dexterity, grip, improving our skills. They speak of communication to me. Ever been underwater? Try to speak to somebody else? Ever spoken to someone who's deaf? I can't do that. (laughs) But your hands are powerful. Your fingers, where you put your fingers matter. Our fingers have got great sensitivity. Our communication, by the way, can be good or it can be bad. You might be a driver who's exercised some very bad communication with your fingers. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, but, you know, they're designed for sensitivity. Fingers, hands are not sensitive. Fingers are sensitive. What's that sensitive? You feel heat. You feel the heat. You feel heat. Is the water too hot, too cold? Are you getting in hot water? Is something gone icy? You can read with your fingers. You can actually see with your fingers. Did you know that? James, just stand up a second. Blindfold on me. Whose face is it? You can see with your fingers. Thanks, James. (laughs) Sorry, I should have warned you. You can see with your fingers. Your fingers are immensely more capable and God wants to get control of those things and help you to use those. These are metaphors, but God wants to develop us. Did you know the most important finger they say? Some research, your little finger. If ever you are abducted, kidnapped, and they want to chop one off, offer your, whichever, (laughs) I'm not saying offer anything, by the way, but if you've got to make a choice, the index finger on the hand that isn't the one you write with. Keep your little fingers, because your little fingers define where the other fingers are going to grasp. And actually, if your little fingers are not in the right place, in fact, it says one American guy said, um, New York Hospital, a head of diseases here, a joint disease, little fingers do a disproportionately large amount of gripping, while all the other guys are its helpers. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Right, time's gone. Adam, can you join me? Time has absolutely gone. There was a third point. I think what I'll do is I'll try and get it in the second service that God protects, but we'll, we'll, um, we'll deal with that another time, perhaps. So God does what? He puts us on a solid platform. God absolutely prepares us. He wants everything about you to be prepared and aligned to him. He wants you to put things down and raise things up. He wants you to have the sensitivity to his spirit. He wants you to know what to handle and what not to handle. He wants to do things through you. And he wants to move you forward. He wants to prepare you. And in all of this, he will protect you. He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety. 
my tower of safety, my rescuer, he is my shield. This is all Psalm 144, verse 2, and I take refuge in him. Let's just stand.